Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Mike McGowan. It happened to me when I was 11 years old. Um, my family went to church somewhat regularly, and I remember I was sitting in church when I was 11, and our pastor was doing a sermon series on the book of Revelation. Now, if you don't know what the book of Revelation is, it's the last book of the Bible that tells how the world is going to end and what's going to happen right before Jesus comes back. Well, um, our pastor was a real fire and brimstone kind of guy. And so like he made it perfectly clear that when Jesus comes back, it's too late at that point to choose to become a Christ follower. Because when Jesus comes back, he's not coming back to get people to turn to him. He's coming back to settle accounts with people about where they're going to spend eternity forever. And I remember just sitting in church like week after week during the series, and I became more and more nervous because I had not yet made a commitment to become a Christ follower. And so I was getting more and more stressed out in church every week because I knew that for, like, for me, it felt like time was running out, right? So anyway, um. In the book of Revelation, one of the things that it says is a sign that Jesus is about to come back is that the moon will turn red like blood. Okay, it's in Revelation chapter 6. Go read it on your own. Um, well, I remember later that week, my family had gone out to dinner, and we were driving back home, and we were driving home. I looked out the window of the car, and I, yeah, you know where it's going. I saw a harvest moon. Now, if you've never seen a harvest moon before, it's when the moon looks orange. So, in fact, I brought a picture of one just in case you've never seen it. It looks like that. And so, look at this. I remember as an 11-year-old, I looked out the window and I saw that and I thought, holy cow. Last week it was white. And now it's orange. My next week is going to be red and then Jesus is going to come. I'm running out of time. And so I'm in the backseat. Now, I didn't say anything. I was, I'm having my own personal freak out moment. And I didn't say anything to my parents. But inside, as we're driving home, I, I am becoming more and more undone. Because, like, I know I better accept Christ. Because if I don't, like, it's about to be over. And I'm just hoping I'll make it till Sunday. And I don't know why I thought like I had to be at church on a Sunday to accept Christ and become a Christ follower. I, but I, look, I was 11, okay? So anyway, so sure enough, I go to church that next Sunday and I ask Jesus to come into my life to forgive me and I commit my life to follow him. And I'm telling you, like that was the biggest relief. Now, truth be known, I thought Jesus was going to come back probably by Thursday, okay? Uh, I mean, who knew it was going to take this long, right? Um, but I'm telling you, um, it was such a relief for me. And, 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 it, and it's changed my life. Ever since that time, whenever I see a harvest moon, I silently thank God. I thank Him for using something like that to reach out to me as an 11-year-old when I needed him the most. And I'm telling you, that was, it was real for me. And it, it was the first day of a new path in life. And Jesus has been changing my life 
ever since. See, stories are powerful. Stories are incredibly powerful. But when we're not telling stories about what Jesus has done in our lives, about what God has done in our lives, something's wrong. So, something is amiss. I mean, it, it could be that, you know, maybe it just does, doesn't really appear that God is doing very much, and so there's not really much of a story to tell. Or maybe it's because we're afraid, we're scared and intimidated about what other people might think of us, you know, if we tell a story. Or maybe we just don't think that telling a story about what God's done in our lives, maybe we just don't even think it's important. But I'm telling you, telling stories is incredibly important because, like, if we don't tell our stories, how are our kids supposed to believe? Because look, how are, our, how are our kids supposed to believe that this real God changes real lives if we don't tell what God has really done? If we don't tell, I'm telling you, it is very unconvincing to kids that God's real. And grandparents. You ought to be telling your grandkids God stories about what God's done in your life. I'm telling you, you, have a, you ought to have a wealth of stories that you could tell them, and they ought to know, okay? And if we're not telling our stories, then how are people who don't believe supposed to believe? If we're not telling our stories, how are people who doubt supposed to stop doubting? If we're not telling stories, how are people who God is asking to take a step of faith ever actually going to step of faith if they never talk and hear stories about how people have taken steps of faith? Bottom line, how is a world without Christ supposed to understand what life with Christ is like if we're not telling our stories? So, to help us learn how to tell our stories, we're going to read a story about a guy who had his ch life completely changed. And he has an unbelievable story. And we know that this guy told his story over and over and over and over again because the disciples weren't there to hear it. And Jesus was only present at the very front end. And at the very back end of the story, he, Jesus wasn't there for any of the middle part. And so the only reason that the Apostle John was able to write it down in the Bible is because he heard the story from someone else. He heard it from this guy who had to have, tell, who had to have told it over and over and over again. So the story is found in John chapter 9. If you've Got, you brought your Bible with you and you want to take notes of your Bible, open there. If you want to just follow along and take notes on your paper that we provided for you, take notes there. Now, we didn't have room to print the whole story in the bulletin, so you'll just have to follow along on the screen, okay? Beginning at John chapter 9, verse 1, the Bible says this. As he, that's Jesus, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so the work of God might be displayed in his life. Okay, by the way, in one sentence, Jesus blows apart this whole idea that the reason bad things happen to people is because God's punishing them for sin. Not true. 
what Jesus is saying here is that the reason this guy was born blind had nothing to do with anything that he did wrong or that his parents did wrong. He was born blind because God wanted to show his power by one day healing him. And by the way, this also shows us that God has a plan mapped out for your life even before you were born. Because the man was born blind. He was born with God knowing what he wanted to do in his life. Okay, so move on. Verse four, as long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Which, by the way, probably only works if someone is blind because, like, if you could see what he's doing, like, dude, you didn't put that on me. So, anyway, so it works here. Go, he, <laughs> go, he said to him. I think these things in the Bible, so I don't know. Go, he, sa- he, t- he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed, and he came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they demanded. He replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to, the, go to Siloam and wash. So I went, washed, and then I could see. Where is this man? They asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought, to the, they, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was the Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. Others asked, well, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? So they were divided. Finally, they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. Now, I want you to notice that the guy does not believe that Jesus is the son of God. Okay? He believes that he's a prophet, but not a savior. Not yet. Verse 18. The Jews still did not believe that he'd been blind and received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know he is our son, the parents answered. And we know he was born blind. But how he can see or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He'll speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews for Already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ will be put out of the synagogue. That's why his parents said, if he is of age, ask him. A second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, How did he, uh, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I've already, I've told you already. And you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? They hurled, I just love it. They hurled insults at him. He said, you are this fellow's disciple. We're disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as far as this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, well, now isn't that remarkable? You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. 
nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this I replied, uh, well, uh, uh, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they throw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? <laughs> Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe him. Which, by the way, you might wonder, like, why the guy didn't recognize Jesus. Well, the reason is because the first time he met Jesus, he was blind, right? So no wonder he doesn't recognize him. <laughs> so Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And see, it's at this point that we know for sure that the man's become a Christ follower because he believes, okay? So looking at this story, what do I learn from this story about how to tell my stories? Four things. Here's the first. Number one, my story doesn't have to be flashy to be meaningful. My story doesn't have to be flashy to be meaningful. Now, this guy's story of the guy born blind, like his story is flashy, okay? I mean, the guy receives his side after Jesus spits on some dirt, makes a paste and puts it on his eyes. He goes washes in a pool. And when he washes, now he can see. Like, that is a flashy story, okay? But get this. The man being healed of his blindness is not the most important thing that happens in the story. Re because remember, after he was healed, he didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. He, remember, he thought he was a prophet but he didn't believe he was a savior. Not at that point. It was only after all of that went down that finally the guy believes that Jesus is the Christ. And once he believes that he's the Christ, that's when the guy will now spend eternity in heaven instead of eternity in hell. See, when he received his sight, that his sight is something that would last for his life on earth. But when he received his salvation, that would last for his eternity in heaven. And of the two, which is the most important? Well, yeah, of course. What's going to last for eternity? That is what's most important, okay? See, get this. The healing is the circumstance of the story. Believing is the substance of the story. Healing is the circumstance of the story. Believing is the substance of the story. So look, you don't have to have a flashy circumstance of how you became a Christ follower in order for your story to be meaningful, okay? You don't have to, be a, you don't have, to have a story of, well, I was a drug addict for years, and then Christ saved me, and so now, man, I'm just high on Jesus. That doesn't have to be your story. In fact, that story is no more meaningful than the person who says, you know, I was just sitting in church and I realized I needed Christ. And so I asked him to forgive me and it changed my life. Both stories are equally meaningful. One's more flashy, but they both have the same substance because they're both about believing. Let me say it like this, okay? What makes your story meaningful is not what you did. It's what Christ did. 
What makes your story meaningful is not what you did. It's what Christ did. And what did Christ do? Christ allowed himself to be beaten, whipped, mocked, punched in the face. He had a crown of thorns pushed down on his head, and he was jeered at for being a king. And then he was led to a hill where they put nails through his hands and through his feet, and they crucified him to a cross of wood until he died. And the reason he died was so that he could pay the price for your sin, for my sin, for the sins of everybody in the world, because it's we should be punished for our sin. But instead, Jesus was punished for us. And so he is able to offer us his forgiveness. But in order to receive it, you have to accept it. You have to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin. And that's what makes you a Christ follower. You see, it's what Jesus did for us. That's what matters. That's what makes your story meaningful. It's not the circumstances surrounding your story. Like that makes it flashy, but it doesn't make it more meaningful. What makes it meaningful is what Jesus did for you. Okay? All right. Second thing we learn is this. Don't try to be theological, just real. Don't try to be theological, just real. Remember the guy uh, born blind? He was asked a lot of theological questions by the Jews when they were, you know, questioning him. And, And verse 25, he just says this. He's like, look, I mean, whether he's a sinner or not, because they were like, how can this guy, you know, heal you? He must be a sinner. He's like, look, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. The one thing I do know is I was blind, but now I see. Look, the guy's just real. Like, he doesn't try to be theological. He doesn't know the answers to all these questions, and he doesn't even try. He doesn't try to make them up. He doesn't try to, you know, uh, postulate an answer. He just talks about the one thing he knows. He once was blind, but now he sees. Look, so for you, when you're telling your story, if you get questions asked that you don't know the answers to, look, don't just start making up stuff. And don't just start thinking, well, I think, and well, I've heard. Just don't, don't do that. All you need to do is just tell your story. Just, just, just be real. Just say, you know what? Say what this guy said. You know what? I once was blind, but now I see. Not that you were like physically blind, but that you were spiritually blind. You did not see and understand that Jesus had died for you. And he did it because God loves you. And he was willing to pay the price for your sins for you so that you wouldn't have to. And so that you could one day receive his forgiveness. And what, But now that you see that, you have accepted him. And you've asked him to come to your life. And he is starting to change you. And he's been changing you ever since. You once were spiritually blind. But now you're, you can spiritually see. Like, I get it now. That's your story. Just say that. Don't try to answer theological questions. Don't just make stuff up. Don't, in fact, don't worry about that. Just be real. Because look, being real is what's convincing. So just be real when you tell your story, okay? Third thing is this. I need to remember that my faith is personal, not private. My faith is personal, not private. I mean, I think we've all heard the, heard the you know, the old adage that, you know, there's two things that we should never talk about, you know, religion and politics. Because both are incredibly divisive. But here's the thing. 
Do you really think that God wants you to be private about all the things that he's done in your life? No. Oh, your relationship with God is personal, yes. But it was never meant. It was never meant to be private, okay? Think about the guy born blind. What happened to him was intensely personal. But he didn't keep it private. And aren't we glad? I mean, he told anybody who would listen. And that's how we even have his story. Because remember, the disciples and Jesus weren't there for most of it. And if everybody, if everybody who's a Christ follower kept their relationship with God, kept their stories private, then it would appear to an unbelieving world that God does not even exist. If we never told our stories, if we never talked about what God was doing in our lives, if we never talked how Jesus came into our lives, if we never told those stories, then it would appear to an unbelieving world that God is not even real. How is the next generation supposed to know if we don't tell? Because look, your faith, it's personal because it's, it's about you. But it was never intended to be private, ever. All right, number four. Here we go. People can deny God, but they can't deny my story. People can deny God, but they can't deny my story. Look, people could say all day long that they don't believe that God exists. They can, you know, point to, you know, whatever scientific evidence they think they know and whatever. They can point to whatever they want to to say that God doesn't exist. But what they can't do is deny what happened to you. They can't argue with your story. The religious leaders of the day, they tried to come up with other explanations of why this guy could see. You're like, well, well, he was never blind to begin with. It can't even be the same guy. Or that the guy who healed him must have been a sinner. So he must have been in league with the devil because, and they came up with all these other reasons why what happened could have happened, except for the one true reason that Jesus really is the Son of God. But in the end, the guy was standing before them. He was saying, look, I once was blind, but now I see. And who could argue with that? I mean, they, they could not deny what happened to this guy. And, and so for you, when you're telling the story about what God has done in your life or what he's doing in your life, whether it's when you became a believer or what God's done in your life lately, whenever you're telling your story, your job is just to tell it. It's not to defend it. It's not to argue it. It's not to try to get other people to even believe it. You just tell it. And they can't deny it because it's what happened to you. It's your story. So look, people look, people can say whatever they want to about, you know, my harvest moon story. Like, oh, well, you know, he's 11 years old. I mean, he doesn't really understand the science behind it. And if you understand the science behind it, look, look, I do understand the science behind it now. Now I get it that when the moon is, it only happens when the moon is really low on the horizon because now it has to, the, the reflection has to come through more atmospheric, you know, footage. And so only light with long waves can make it. So those are only the reds and the oranges. And so that's why the moon appears orange sometimes. Like I get it. I get the signs behind it. And you know what? For me, that makes my story more meaningful, not less. Because whenever I see a harvest moon, I thank God that he allowed an 11-year-old boy to be 
challenged by the one verse in the entire Bible that talks about the color of the moon. One verse. And it happened the same week that this rare occurrence of a harvest moon was going to happen. And I would look out the window at just the right time. I would put it all together. Actually, God was putting it all together in my heart to get me to a place where I would say, Jesus, I need you. And so God did all that for me because he loves me. And he wanted me to go to heaven when I die. And he wanted to have a relationship with me here on this earth. That's my story. And nobody can deny that that's what happened to me. They can explain it away how they want to. But they can't deny that that's my story and that what happened. And nobody can deny what's happened to you. People can try to offer other explanations, other perspective, other viewpoints, other, you know, whatever. But in the end, it's your story. And nobody can deny it. All right. One last thought from today, today's story before I wrap up. Remember the parents of the guy who was born blind? Remember them? They were asked to come testify before the religious leaders. Like, hey, is this really your son? You know, give glory to God. And remember what they, what they said? The Bible says that they were afraid. It says they were afraid. And so they, end up, they said to the religious leaders, you know what? Why don't you go ask him? Go ask our son what happened. He can tell you. And I think the number one reason why sometimes we don't tell our stories about what's happened is because of fear. It's fear. We fear what other people might think, what they might say, how they might treat us, that it might change things. And so we have all this fear about why we don't tell. And that, that fear keeps a lot of great stories in the dark. Okay? But look, these parents missed a great opportunity. I mean, they missed the opportunity to say, you know what? Yes, he's our son. And yes, he was born blind. And his dad and I have prayed every day of his life that God would do something. And against all all our hopes and our dreams, God has finally answered our prayers. And our son was blind, but now he can see. And our story is one of prayer. Our story is one of like a prayer where we never gave up. And that we always believe that we kept the faith, that we trusted God, and now God has come through. But they missed that chance. And they missed the chance because of fear. And so don't you fear. Don't fear what other people might think. Don't fear what they might say. Don't fear their perspective. It doesn't matter what they might think or say. And it makes no difference. Don't give in to that kind of fear. Just say, God, this is my story of what you've done in my life. And so you use it however you want. Okay, so two things. Two things. Here's what I want us to do. Put this stuff in action. Because here's the two things that we want to do this week so that stories don't become a missing piece in our faith. All right? Here they are. First thing I want you to do is this. Is I want you to post on social media this week a story about what God's done in your life. It can be how you became a Christ follower. It could be something that God has done in your life since then. It could be something that God's done in your life recently. It doesn't matter. And so post it on Facebook. Do a series of posts on Twitter or a series of pic- pictures on Instagram or on Snapchat. Whatever social media platform you use, post your story this week. Okay? Second thing I want you to do is this. Is I want you to tell someone this week the story of how you became a Christ follower. Just tell someone. 
It, it could be maybe your small group and small groupers. I really want to encourage you this. Take the next weeks of the semester, have two or three people each night tell their story about how they became a Christ follower. How cool would that be? But tell your story about how you became a Christ follower. If you've never told your kids how you became a Christ follower, tell your kids. If you've never told your grandkids, tell your grandkids. If you haven't told a coworker or a friend, tell someone how you became a Christ follower. Now, if you've never become a Christ follower before, you know, maybe you've been sitting here for the last 25 minutes stressing out a little bit because you know that you've never become one. And that if you were to die or if Jesus was to come back, that you would not spend eternity in heaven. Well, I want to give you the chance to do that today. There's a prayer. It's at the bottom of your message notes of how to become a Christ follower. Take a moment, and I want you to pray that prayer. I want you to pray it right now. Pray it right now. But for everybody, what if this week, literally, hundreds and hundreds of stories about what God has done in our lives flooded social media? What do you think God might do? What might God do with your story? God might take your story and let someone who's wrestling with doubt read it. And so that now they would choose faith. God might take your story for some, and, and someone's in a desperate moment. They might read it and put their faith in Christ. Someone might read it who's been thinking about becoming a Christian and God uses your story to tip them over the edge. Who knows what God might do with your story? But for God to do something with it, you have to be willing to tell it. So this week, tell your story. All right, everybody, bow your head, close your eyes. Let me pray for us all. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for every story in this room today. For everybody listening to me, I want to say thank you for their story. For those that are stories that are in progress and those that are stories that are way on down the line, I want to say thank you for everybody's story. And I ask that you would help each one of us to tell our stories this week, to not be ashamed, to just be real, and just to put them out there, and that you would use them, Heavenly Father, to do something great. And you would use them to help strengthen our own faith too, make us even more bold, make us even more excited, make us even you know, more engaged in our relationship with you because of what you have done and what you are doing in our lives. And so use us this week. Don't let this be a missing piece. And bring us back next week so we can understand and learn more. And we ask you to do this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.